That question is so loaded, John. I don't even know where to start well, with that. Well, 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 I, I listen, guess, I guess, I guess the problem is, is, and by the way, John, I love that question. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Interesting. This is an interesting. Topic. What's the solution here? Show up, understand your part, and just crush it. Pay-per-click, social media, we can talk about all this stuff, but what really matters is patient experience, that wow factor. Please, are you listening to yourself? Come on. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. So sit back, take notes, and listen. Oh, oh I love this. This is going to be fun. Startup Uncensored. The questions you have with the truths you need to hear. And now your hosts, Michael Dincio and John Bertagni. All right, welcome, welcome. This is Startup Uncensored, episode four. John and I are stoked to have Mr. Brandon Folia on the line. Buddy, I don't think I asked you what your, how to actually pronounce your last name. Help me out. Is it Folly? Did I screw that up? Yeah, Folly. That's the way to roll. Folly. Oh, nailed it. it. Nailed when it. was the last time you used the word stoke? Uh, junior high. Did it work? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It worked. Yeah, it, it worked. Exactly. It worked. Well, I, this is, you know, Mike, this is one of the situations and one of the interviews that I was most excited about because of how what a profound impact that these guys have made in their market. It's insane what they've done. Am I right? Thousand percent. Excite, reality. The, these guys are, are crushing it, taking the industry by storm down in the southeast. Brandon, tell us, what, what are you guys doing over there? Man, gosh, where to start? Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a crazy year just to get it going. I mean, we're thankful right now. We've got a good roster of brokers, you know, one, how, how many brokers do you have? Man, right now, uh, just going off the cuff, um, total across the board, I'd say we're at approaching 30. Wow. What? And, and, and what market are you in? You got 30, 30 guys and gals, I'm assuming, in what yeah. market? Yeah, so we have our, our headquarters is here in Dallas, where I sit. Yeah. Office in Austin. San Antonio and Houston as well. And then we opened an office in Florida uh, with Austin Cure two, yep. two years ago now. So, um, so yeah, so five five offices and growing. But, um, yeah, the guys have done a good job. You know, they, they look for young talent, guys that want to learn, coachable, and uh, put them around senior brokers to come in and really um, drive business but understand the, the importance of the relationship with the doctor. Well, and that's, that's the thing. Like, you, sometimes when you get the word you guys are crushing it, it means like you guys are just doing huge volume, which yeah. you guys are. But it, it's more than volume that we're when we use that term. It's like you're doing right by the industry. Yeah, right, Mike. Like, isn't that why, like that's why we chose these guys to yeah. partner on this? Like, it's because they're doing the right things for the dentist. That's you know, where my mind goes. It's 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 helping doctors get into ownership the right way, which is my passion, your passion, John, this program's passion. And you're a thousand percent right, John, you know, Excite does it right. Let's, let's, I like that. Excite does it right. Dude, I'm on fire right now. I'm on fire. 
That's a new t-shirt. New t-shirt design. It's a t-shirt. So, um, and tell us, you know, there's so many things that go wrong, right? Yeah, so yeah, many brokers yeah. that do it the wrong way. What do you guys think, if, if you're going to say like two things that you think you guys do right, what is it? Especially in these markets. These are monster markets, right? Yeah. Huge growth mar uh, market. Also, huge markets for competition for mm -hmm. large group practice. So mm. that's two questions, right, man? Right. And I want you to answer two things of what you guys do really, really well, and then how you position these people for that group practice, to go up against group practice. Not go up against, but just do it the right way, man. Love that question. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a... Um... There's balance there. So from the sense of us coming in and uh, doing things well, a big component is the demographic, right? And demographics today, that's a broad term, right? I mean, you go lease an apartment, right? And it'll say demographics in the bottom right corner. It'll say population and it'll say income level, right? Yeah. Uh, it's walkability report, right? Right. And so it's it's much deeper. You've got to understand, you know, your competition analysis. You need to understand how many dentists are in your trade area. Understand the makeup of that trade area. You know, is it going to be a primarily a Medicaid clinic? Is there going to be a healthy split between PPO and Medicaid? Or is it, is it, are we going to lean on the people service side? Right. All of those help shape the understanding of the type of patient that's going to be walking through the front door. So we spend a lot of time, resources, and energy presenting that to our client. But we also tell our clients, like, look, we, we don't want this to just be numbers on a screen. We want to coach you up to understand what we see. Right. When we say, hey, man, this is a sexy site. Here's the data behind it. We want them to, at the end of our journey. They recognize that as well as us. At the very beginning because they've seen the data and they're used to seeing good numbers. So that's that's a great, you know, we, we have a great partner. And uh, obviously, prior to this, we we talked demographic. We had a whole session on demographic. We feel that that's a big component. Um, and one of the pieces is that's exactly it. Analytics are one part, but, you know, the actual storefront or the actual location and what that means to that vision, that's the other part. So it's that marriage of those two. So that's what a lot of brokers don't do. They just try and fill a spot. Yeah, right? we, we see that all the time where we, you know, we'll, we'll pick up a client who's worked with another broker and all they've been sent is basically just a list of properties that sort of fit. You know, if they say, hey, I want to be in McKinney, Texas. Well, here's a list of 100 properties that are available in McKinney, Texas, right? I mean, <laughs> right. It's to sit down and understand that, hey, man, this is this is the goals you set for your practice. These are the parameters. This is the bucket you put us in. Here's the top 10 locations where we feel you're going to be the most successful, not only based off the data component, but also on the real estate side, you know, is it a sexy site that Starbucks would look at, for example? Are mm -hmm. we the same type of real estate that's married well with the demographic? So you, will you, so you'll, you'll take, you'll take all of those data points. Mm -hmm. Let's get into the weeds just slightly because okay. this is really interesting to me. So is we it going to be interesting to the listeners? Hang on, is it going to be interesting to the listeners too, or just you? I don't know. Let's all see right. what happens. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, so you're take you're taking those data points, which are super important, and yeah. and then you're you're turning it real world on the street level, boots on ground, yeah. putting eyeballs on these spaces, and and so you know that the data points can back up 
good spots. But then what are some of the other things that the Excite brokers do to really say, uh, I like that spot, don't like that spot, that one's okay? Yeah. Well, a lot of it too, and especially in our market here in Dallas to speak um, in particular, they, the market is moving so fast, right? There's so many people that are moving here. There's new development coming up left and right. And so as you mentioned, John, the DSOs, they're, they're coming to Dallas left and right. And so a lot of times people are signing leases 12 months, 16 months in advance. And so it might be a sexy site today, right? The data might check out today, but 12 months from now, when all four corners are built up and there's a dentist on every corner, what does that look like? And so a lot of times that's our conversations. We say, okay, if we take down this site, are we going to have three other dentists opening at the same time right across the street and then we're cannibalizing ourselves day one, right? Because for a startup in particular, you know, a lot of them will compete fine against a DSO, but if there's another startup or two coming right across the street, that's, you know, their service and the, the edge that they have is, hey, I'm going to be here long term, right? You're going to see Dr. Foley every single time you're here for the next 10, 15 years, but if there's three doctors saying the same message at the same intersection, it can get tough really fast. And so the due diligence on that front of understanding and forecasting out the next 12, 16 months of where competitors could potentially locate, um, that strategy we spend a lot of time on. That's a great point, too. I, I like that because, and we brought this up, uh, Mike, it's, it's, it's understanding the development of an area. And, mm -hmm. and Mike knows this about some of the practices that that we built, we talked to developers, not even brokers, yeah. because that would actually give you the mindset of what's coming down the pipe. What, you know, what's going to be in that empty field? Who are they talking to? Yeah. And that's really going to give them some additional insight. Um, and it helped us because when we opened up one dental practice, sure enough, yes, it was, we thought it was hot, but by the time we built it out, there was a DSO that built it around the corner down the street. By the way, middle of the street, 45 miles an hour. We yeah. were on a walking street. Who had the better location, Brandon? Yeah. yeah. Right? It wasn't about car count. It was about people count. Yeah. So that's the type of stuff that, you know, don't think you're smarter than everyone else. Don't yeah. think, oh my God, that's perfect because all these cars are going by. There's more to it. Yeah. Right. That's where that boots on the ground and the intuition and the demographics go. Yeah. No, there's a lot. I mean, we see uh, doctors. It's very common. You know, a lot of doctors will open a, a clinic without even having proper representation that has an understanding of the dental industry. Right. Or a broker. A lot of times I'll use a broker from an outside market um, that really doesn't understand it. But that boots on the ground component that you mentioned is big. Right. You need to know. You know, when we look at an intersection and it's all dirt, we want to know what's going on all four corners and the top of that. It could be to your full benefit, right? It might be one old corner is uh, going to be homes. The other corner is going to be a high school and the other corner is a grocery store. And man, this this site looked a lot sexier than it did when it was just dirt, right? right. And we'll move on this quickly. But um, yeah, understanding the full game for the next 24 months out is, is crucial, especially in a hot market. Cool. Okay, so, so hot market, Texas, Florida. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about temperature hot. We're talking about <laughs> dental hot. Yeah. I know that that was a little cheesy. Sorry, I had to. I had to try. I had to try. You guys laugh. Um, so, like, why Texas? Like, someone from the Northwest doing doing startups all over across the country. I have one startup right now in Texas, mm -hmm. and he's set for getting his shell 
for development for like almost a year from now. And so like, what is it about Texas, Florida that everybody is drawn to the growth and, and, and guys like me that aren't in that market, is it getting saturated? Like, I, I don't know what's going on, but everybody's moving there. So is there going to yeah. be a moment in time where there's no dentist? <laughs> Man, yeah, it's a, that's the million dollar question. We get that all the time. You know, you even see the likes of a, of a Joe Rogan coming on, right? I mean, people are coming here in droves. And uh, the good thing is, is when it, when it comes specifically to um, Dallas-Fort Worth, for example, you know, before we really saw this rush that came in over the last five years, there was already the pop, the existing population was already underserved from a dental competition method. Okay. Huh. So now just based off of the growth alone, Dallas itself needs 50 new dentists a year just to supply the growth alone that's coming into Dallas. And that's not counting, that's not counting Frisco, McKinney, all these other submarkets that are booming. Right. And so there's a huge, you know, we, we hear that a lot with people say, oh, Dallas is oversaturated. BFW can't go there. It's too cannibalized. Don't get me wrong. There's areas that you've got to watch, right? There's areas where you need to be very careful. You need to understand you've got to have a different business platform to go in there and compete well. But there's communities here that don't have dentists within several stones throw. Um, but we're just waiting for the real estate, the commercial real estate, um, to present an opportunity for someone to build this space. So, so let me ask a question on, on, on that, because if you're talking a, a sustainable dental practice, and, and Mike, this is your world more than anything, but you know, 2,000 dent, uh, patients is a, is a strong dental practice, right? Where, when you're, you're just starting out and building it up. But so you're telling me that that's 100,000 people are moving to Dallas-Fort Worth alone, not suburb. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the that's the data we've had from Dallas County. Wow, and so it's, I'm really impressed with your math, by the way, John. It's well, really there there's an abacus over here to my side that I've been working. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> wow. That, so so that so that goes into this. Um, that's why people are saying I want to open up a dental practice in Dallas Fort Worth or those suburbs of or Austin. My my cousin just moved to San Antonio, booming. Like it's, that whole state is on fire. It's crazy. I and I, by the way, I love that. It, it, it's a great space. Um, and this is not for us to wave the flag, but it, I thought that was a great question, Mike, to ask why are people are going there? And also, can there still be space? So obviously with that amount of people that you have, um, you know, as a, from a brokerage firm standpoint, you, you saw the need to satisfy that. So um, there's, there's in, in your area, there's a lot of different contractors. There's a lot of different dealer networks. There's a lot, you know, how, how do you, because it's so big and vast, how, how are you differentiating yourself to be a part of all of these groups and all these startups? Who, you know, how does that work from a network standpoint, good and bad? Yeah, yeah, networking is tough, uh, especially on the <laughs> good and bad. Good and bad. Yeah. Good and bad. It was There's a long way to get to the question. How do you decipher the shitty ones from the good ones? Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Who do we give the time of day to? Man, it's um, the good thing is, as you guys know, the dental community is really small, right? And so you get feedback very quickly from clients on who performed at a high level and who they would probably go the other way with. And so we, you know, we came into the market late. 
you know, we were typically the, you know, we were the new kids on the block. You know, we only started the company in 2012. Um, and so, you know, there was an established network in place that was healthy and that not want any new players coming in. And so we came in and we just said from a dinner, a dental vendor relationship that we just said, hey, we want a seat at the table. If we're, if we're bringing value to the client and they're seeing the value that we're bringing and we're having successful practices open and we're doing it in a way that we're a good steward of the doctor's time, um, you know, we should, we should have business and we want to work with you guys. And so we try to treat everybody in that same bucket. You know, the guy, there's some guys that obviously just sit around and want deals to find um, themselves to them, but there's also guys that are out there hustling who are really trying to bring and fight for an extra, you know, a buck or two where the value at the end of the day is in that positive for the dentist. Um, and that's who we try to align with. And so we, uh, we really, we have open doors on that front because we were shut out at the very beginning. You know, there were, there was no love lost when they weren't picking up our phone calls when we came in in 2012. So. Well, I, I, I think that's a, it's kind of in, in, important for folks to know. We, we always say that our, our clients, our listeners um, need to have a, a healthy skepticism. Yeah. Maybe I say that, I don't know, but a healthy skepticism on, you know, you got to be skeptical, of course, of who you're working with. Make sure you're working with reputable people, people that have good reputations and come highly recommended. But at the same time, you know, not trusting your team is also a huge pitfall that I see yeah. people just not having not having a healthy skepticism. So relying on a group like you guys that, you know, how many how many startups are you guys doing a year, roughly? Can you yeah, say that a little bit? Yeah, here in DFW, we try to do between fifty and sixty a year. Wow. So, so you, so you have a good pulse on those folks in your in your markets to answer John's question super directly. You know, you know who's who's doing right by the client yeah. and who's not, right? Yeah, and also the the nature of the beast here is there there are so many transactions and there's so many vendors that are trying to get into the market here. The bad ones typically have a way of weeding themselves out. You know, yeah. uh, a, a lot of times that just naturally is a progression over time of, of just bad reviews and bad experiences. Like I said, with the amount of Facebook groups now and just the communication and the education that goes back and forth between the dentist and the startup world with guys like you, um, you know, thankfully, we're not having as many bad situations as we used to have in the past where guys just have no idea what they're doing and they're coming in and they're screwing up the deal. And at the end of the day, the doctor's really upset and a lot of opportunity costs lost because we're opening six months later than we should have. Right. Right. Well, here's a question for you because you brought up dirt, right? Not a lot of places have the ability to say that there's dirt or there's potential development there. Um, that, that goes into a question of like standalone building versus retail space, you know, long-term plays in terms of, you know, um, the ability for people to create wealth, not only in their career, but in real estate. And then also driving monetary units from a mortgage versus rent. So my question, because you have that ability in Texas because the land, yeah. how do you decipher that? Uh, especially with students coming out with, you know, student loan debt of three, $400,000. Correct. Um, no, that's a great question. So we we get that answer. We get that question quite a bit. Um, it is nailing it. It is nailing it. That's a good one. Uh, really, it's very honestly simple. It really comes down to their equity, right? There's typically two doctors, right, on, on the startup side. There's guys that want to open three or four packages, three or four offices, and they package that. Excuse me. 
and then go sell those to a DSO group. And then there's guys that want to have one office or two and then build a super big, nice retail ground up center and use that as long term supplemental income as they write off. Into the yeah. Right. And so we try to understand that early on. Right. Because if you're going after um, a DSO one day, you want to package six, seven, ten offices and get a nice payday and move down the street. Um, you need to take locations that a Pacific Dental, um, a Heartland, guys like that are going to look at, right? And so you need to be taking main and main. You need to get good leases in place. You need to have good language in your lease that protects you and allows you to assign the lease to the future date. Um, and whereas someone who is just wanting to, let's say, open in the hometown, wherever they're from, you know, that's not as necessary, right? We don't need to go spend the extra dollars on the rent for the brand and for the, the visibility to the street because they've got relationships in place they're going to they're going to do well there but ultimately they're going to relocate out of there build a building we call that a ground up where you're buying dirt build a building or just go buy an existing asset you know go buy a retail strip and rehab it and stick their stuff in there as a tenant but the, the two questions we tell guys to ask them is hey are you wanting to eventually sell all your practices and, and try to sell that on a multiple or are you looking to um, like you'd mentioned, build a retail strip, go more of the passive income stream at a later date. Well, and wow. Mike, you have one more. Let me let me follow up on that, Mike, because I know you've got a great question. You always do, and you look beautiful today. Um, <laughs> so, what is the time frame for ground up versus that? You know, it, obviously, there's a big difference. So people have to plan accordingly, um, and. I know the answer, but I want you to give it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can check me on this. So if you're doing a ground up from the day you say go, which most ground up projects, to be fair, those are guys that already have existing clients, right? Correct. Been open, let's say, for three or four years. Typically, from the day you say go, you need to a lot for 16 to 18 months is a good timeline because you've got to inquire about the land. But the biggest hurdle there that people don't understand is it can look like a just a flat piece of dirt with nothing on it, but there can be so many restrictions in place that we don't even have an understanding of it until we get to the city, right? There could be easements, poor setbacks, you know, there could be a restrictive covenant in place, put in place by someone across the street, you never know. And so you need a lot, a healthy amount of time for a ground up project. So we, we typically say 16 to 18 months. Um, the other time frame, in terms of opening multiple clinics, satellite offices, after you open your main uh, first clinic, a lot of that is on the speed of the doctor, to be honest. We have some guys that try to open, you know, two a year once they've been open for three years. That seems to be more common than not. Um, once they've got, you know, they've, they've got all the scars on their back for the first 24, 48 months, um, then they're going and say, okay, now we can do this. I understand the process. I've got a team in place. I've got my staff. Let's start opening for them. What I what I what I'm kind of digging about this right now, John, because we talk about vision drives everything. We're gonna hear that in almost every single episode. And Brandon, you you just nailed it. You in 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 a lot of ways where you you say, hey, it really it really does depend on what that doctor is trying to accomplish in their career. And then we take our steps from there. And 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 folks listening. That's the answer. 100% of the time, it, it really does depend on your vision and what you're trying to accomplish and then partnering with a team that's going to help you do that and fulfill that vision. Um, so I love that. What do you guys do? What do you guys do to get super clear about what somebody is trying to accomplish? And before you answer, folks, 
John and I are going to say this a thousand times on this program. If you don't know what your vision is, if you don't know what your business plan is, is you, if you don't have these answers, how's a guy like Brandon or anybody that we interview, how are they going to help you do what you're going to do? So you got to know, they don't know the answer. You got to know that answer. And so uh, let's, let's just assume that somebody knows. Yeah. And make it be there, right? Make it be their vision, not someone else's, but don't Exactly. Exactly right. So, so Brandon, how do you work through that progression with these clients to get super clear about what they're trying to accomplish? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And so everybody, everybody's obviously unique in that sense, right? Um, the best way to typically people balk, to be very honest, at the the idea of a ground up. Number one, when they learn the cough, because it's not cheap. It's sort of a one time deal, right? When whereas when you're opening multiple locations, you know you're half a million dollars at a, you know, a satellite office per office, right? Ground up is expensive. Um, also the understanding of the roles of the landlord and some of the hurdles with that, you know, it's not always sexy and you don't just sit there and you take a rent check. I mean, if you look at COVID earlier this year, if you have a retail strip building, every single tenant in there asked for abated rent, just like all of our clients would have as well. That was the right thing to do. And you as the landlord, then you've got to understand and make hard decisions. And so, um, trying to help them really just get educated with 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 no BS, but understanding the, the good side and the bad side, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as you call it, of both alternatives, um, they typically can find themselves there. Because some people like that. You know, some people want an asset they can move away from. I mean, there's a lot of guys that own commercial buildings here in Texas, and they live in California, right? They get yeah. able to do that. It's very hard to run a regional DSO and not have your boots on the ground within a you know a mile uh, within an hour drive. So. That's a great question. Um, so Brandon, here's here's my thing. You know, our listeners are going to have the ability to talk to any broker out there, mm-hmm. um, and and you guys are the the top of the top. Like, how do you get paid, and how does that differentiate between how another broker might get paid? Because from my understanding, everyone essentially is going to get paid the same amount. So yeah. why not work with the best? Correct. Okay. Am I right or am I missing something here? No, 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 you're not missing it. Um, I'd clarify a little bit on it. So it's, you're right, every broker is basically gonna get paid essentially the same amount, right? And so when a when you wanna move forward with a transaction, let's say in Texas, right? The, the real estate firm has to have a license in that state, right? And so that's sometimes a limiting factor. For example, I don't have my license in Idaho. If you wanted to work with me in Idaho, it probably wouldn't work that well. So we always recommend, we say, hey, we can reach out and we can, when guys inquire to us that are outside of the state, we can let them know if that's a, we have the ability to function and perform at a high level there. Um, but at the end of the day, we just always recommend, hey, we, we would love your business, but more importantly, you need to work with a dental specific broker who understands that market. That's key, right? Because if they have a good experience opening a startup with a dental broker, you know what? They're going to have a buddy at some point that's going to open one in my market and I'm going to get that deal. Right. But at the end of the day, we got to make sure, like you guys were mentioning earlier, they've got to work with the um, a guy that understands the dental community and that what it takes to get an offer open. Yeah. Here's here's something. So I, I get this myself because I help doctors buy practices, too. And, and a, some of my fee comes at the end of the deal. So yeah. I get this question. So I'll ask you kind of the same question is like. How do you stay neutral to the deal knowing you're getting paid in the end? Oh, Meaning, yeah. 
I, and, and and by the way, there's absolutely brokers out there yeah. that drive deals to the finish just to get the check. I've blown up plenty of deals, so I can I can point and yeah. say that my track record. So what? How do you like? How do you stay neutral, or however you want to ask that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a and that's a great. That's really the question people should ask when they go to hire a broker, because that's the hard question. Because we're tenant right? Great question. Yeah, great question. Uh, <laughs> we're a tenant rep firm, and so what people don't, a lot of people don't understand, is there's always two brokers in a transaction, right? There's a guy that represents the landlord, and there's the tenant rep broker, who in this case that would be us representing the doctor. Well, the landlord pays the fee um, all across the transaction. So the doctors that are listening, you don't pay the fee. It's already built into your rent. The landlord already performed it. And so the question is always, hey, if the landlord's paying your commission, and technically I make more commission, the more expensive, uh, the more expensive the deal is for you. The more rent that you pay, the bigger the fee that I make. So how do we remedy that? Well, number one, we have a fiduciary responsibility to the client. So you always want to work with a broker that requires a representation agreement. Because in that representation agreement, it's going to clearly state out the bylaws and their fiduciary responsibility to you. And so we put that in there. It also clearly lays out at the very beginning how they're paid, how they're compensated, who they're compensated from. A lot of times the guys, if you saw, will try to run a deal to the end, will typically go through without a representation agreement and try to slam dunk the deal. Um, and in that case, if you don't sign a representation agreement, they don't, they aren't legally bound to a fiduciary responsibility to you. What that's also the good thing about us is you know our license, similar to dentists, our real estate license are governed by the state of Texas. And so if you have a broker who is not working in your best interest, or he's being shady, he's getting extra points from the landlord, or he's really you you feel like he's just at the end of the day, just really a sleaze bag and not representing your interests, um, there's a governing body that has the ability to put remedies and ramifications if necessary on his license. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the legal answer, right? Truly, at the end of the day, you've got to have a comfort level with the broker, right? I'm not going to say anything that's going to make you feel 100 times better. I'm just going to be very honest. With you. I'm not going to be a yes man. I'm going to give you the honest answer on if I think it's the right deal. And um, it's a small market, right? It's a small community. You're going to know somebody that's worked with me. You're going to know guys like Michael and John who can vouch for us. And that's where understanding and asking questions and getting educated on local people in the community is going to be helpful before you decide who you can. Yeah, that that that's the absolute truth. And you know what? That also transfers to these dentists. They they can learn from Brandon and Michael and myself and 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 this community because that network and that small community of how well you're doing and what you're doing for you know your patients or how you treated others, you have to think that way. You really do. And, um, you know, so that that brings up a question that I have when when someone says my brother in law or, you know, my uncle is a contractor. <laughs> I've heard that so many times. Wait, wait for the question. Wait for the question. <laughs> the question is, and he wants to build my dental practice. Or he's an architect and he wants to do the architectural drawings for this. Obviously, you don't have any skin in this. You, according to you, you're just finding the spade. What advice would you give them if someone said that to you? 
So as I mentioned, we get that so frequently. I love, by the way, Brandon, I love the smirk on your face right oh, now. Viewers, <laughs> log in, subscribe to YouTube. This is live video action. You can you can listen on all the podcasts, but to me, the video, the the YouTube channel is where it's at. <laughs> oh man, uh, where to begin on this question? So. As I mentioned, this is everybody's trying to save a buck, right? You can't hurt anybody from saving a buck and trying to utilize existing relationships. And so we try not to trash that too much, but we also understand and we've seen clients that just put scars on their back from trying to go the cheap route or trying to hire somebody that's never been there, done that. And so we always recommend very lovingly to say, hey, that's great. I'm sure they can probably do a great job, but you need to have a measuring stick for this person, right? Let's, so, so a contractor, let's take that example. You're going to hire your brother-in-law who all he builds is mobile homes to build at your dental clinic. Well, you <laughs> use a, a highly reputable GC that's a dental focused on interiors. You need to use them as the measuring stick to see if he's up to status quo to deliver that. Um, that's typically the best. And we see that a lot on the lending side as well. You know, we'll say, hey, you know, they got some local bank that they, you know, Podunk, Texas, that they banked with forever and they want to do a dental loan. Say, so, okay, well, you know what? Go to the the Bank of America and the Wells Fargo's of the world and use them as a measuring stick to see if that bank can compare it. If they can, great, do the deal. Um, but also be don't be blinded by your emotional relationship with somebody that thinks they can save you $10 up front when down the road you're going to get stressed. Yeah, I love that. I love that piece because there, there are so many emotions to this process. You, We're all as a team helping these doctors build their dream, create create this vision uh, and and it can get so emotional, but it, what it's really interesting as a consultant is, and I, I feel like I'm I'm half a psychiatrist more than anything else. Because, <laughs> and, I, and I'm saying that because it's like, I, I could be working on a project and I guarantee you, you two both know exactly where I'm going with this, but like they'll be making such great decisions and then all of a sudden I'll be like, wait, like, why, like this is you're getting too many emotions about this because they want to use their brother or they it's just a you know a red flag or a pitfall and you can't get them off of it you know yeah, but no, we, we call it the my buddy syndrome or the syndrome that's right yeah that's right that's exactly <laughs> right um that that's that's perfect well well, buddy, th this has been super, super helpful. I, th I think uh, I will, I will speak for everybody that listens and, and is part of this program. That you guys are are a plus plus. You guys get it. Um, you know your integrity is is at the top of the tower at, when it comes to conflict of interest and and all of that. And so, you know, I I couldn't think of a better firm, uh, John. Like it, these guys are are as, as good as it gets. Yeah, when we were putting this together, it was like on the board, this is what we want. We want these guys. Like yeah. you, were, you were one of the first people that we wanted to be a part of this session. So uh, Brandon, you're, you're representing your, your, your company well, and you're representing your clients well. So thank you for that. Oh yeah, yeah. thank you guys for the time word. Great. Yeah, th thanks. All right guys, well, stay tuned, subscribe, uh, like, share all that good stuff uh, yeah, you know i'm not a zennial i don't know the, the right words but bottom line follow us follow us because we love what we do and our passion truly is to help doctors get into startups so thanks again great thanks guys great. take care
Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another truth-filled episode of Startup Uncensored. Check out Startup Uncensored on Facebook and YouTube. Click like, subscribe, and interact with Michael and John.